Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. And I just want to say thank you once again for joining us for this episode, one that I think will be a big encouragement to many of you. I know it was to me as we talk about finding hope in our lives, especially when the wheels fall off. Now, this is our first episode uh, following um, Conference 2020, and if you weren't able to join us online or in person, boy, you really missed a a wonderful experience and so much content. And that hasn't ended. Uh, Those that uh, joined us online or in person, they're still enjoying that content for about five more days online, uh, five more days from the release of this episode of Grace Story Podcast. And they're watching that through the archives, the digital archive gallery uh, that we have on GraceStoryMinistries.com. Um, if you missed out, registration for next year is already open, uh, so you'll be able to uh, take advantage of that. And there's some some deals around that, so make sure you go check out the website or message us um, on uh, Facebook at the ministry page, Grace Story Ministries. Now, on today's episode, there is so much uh, that you're going to enjoy, and it's with one of my favorites, uh, Mark Cravens. Now, Pastor Mark, uh, he joined us actually as our 2020 Grace Story pastor this year as Pastor Blake Jones, who we normally have, recovers from illness. Pastor Mark, uh, his compassionate leadership and, and lived wisdom, those were an incredible asset to the team um, in the early days as he led Grace Story's board through those formative early days. And he uh, helped Amber a lot as she transitioned, um, she says, into kind of a business leadership uh, for the organization. Mark Cravens has served as pastor, evangelist, youth camp leader, conference president, campus pastor, college instructor, uh, even hospice chaplain. He is also a graduate of Cincinnati Bible Seminary. He received an MA in pastoral leadership in 2007 and a master's in pastoral care and counseling in 2018. Currently, he serves as the lead pastor at Kenwood Bible Methodist Church and as an adjunct teacher at God's Bible School and College. He also holds membership in the nationally recognized Association of Biblical Counselors. Uh, His brand new endeavor, though, is the, the Hope Along the Journey podcast, a Christian podcast ministry dedicated to providing uh, encouragement, inspiration, and support to those who are hungering for hope in the midst of life's toughest challenges. Uh, That's one that I listen to, and I would encourage you to check it out. Um, So let's go right to the conversation I was able to have with my friend, Mark Cravens. Pastor Cravens, I got to tell you, you are one of my favorite speakers. I consider you to be... um, a wordsmith, um, in a word, um, you truly are. You're, you're, a, a, um, a genuine individual. You're one of those people that when I'm talking to you, I feel like I'm the most important person in the room. Like you're really listening to me, whether that's, uh, whether that's true or not. Um, so it's, it's great to have you on great story podcast and get to listen to you. Well, thank you, Nate. And it's a, it's an honor for me to be here on your podcast and, um, Man, Doc, you're you're a salesman. I'll just tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> you you really set you really set me up for that. But 
Uh, it is an honor. And of course, you and I go back a long ways. We've known each other for a long time. And the feeling's mutual. I always, you know, you're, you're one of those kind of people, and, and they're rare, these kind of people are, that you may not see them for months, maybe a year. And then all of a sudden, the moment you see them, boom, it's like you pick up right where you left off. And to me, those kind of friends are just are valuable. And you're one of those kind of people. So I'm thrilled to be here with you today. Well, the same could be said for you. I remember sitting in uh, classes as you spoke into my life as I was a, uh, well, less than dedicated college student uh, at the time, but <laughs> that that's changed over the years. But yeah. I remember you talking about, you know, some of the things that would uh, you talk about what was mostly story is how you'd get it into us. And I would come to your classes and I would actually, you know, listen um, to what you had to say. Um, and you talk about self-care and things like that. Um, so I, I really do appreciate what you've done and speaking into my life. And speaking of speaking into people's lives, uh, you have a new venture, um, a podcast, um, Hope Along the Journey, uh, which right. I've listened to. And for those of you listening, I highly recommend it. It's very encouraging. Lots of stories over there. That's it's kind of uh, Mark Craven's, um, his little niche. So why don't you tell us about Hope Along the Journey and maybe the inspiration behind it? Sure. Okay. Well, uh, I was just sharing with somebody just today that, um, well, let's just go back a little ways. When I was, when I was a teenager, I fell in love with AM radio, Tra old transistor radios. I mean, I can remember listening to guys and out of, out of Louisville, Kentucky, I was from Southern Indiana. I would listen to WHAS in Louisville, Kentucky. We used to listen to a guy named Gary Burbank, who mm -hmm. eventually went on to Cincinnati, Ohio and became a legend. Uh, but I grew up, fell in love with AM radio, wanted to be a radio disc jockey uh, because I just fell in love with the power of radio and, and the power of listening to somebody whose face I couldn't see, yeah. but through their voice, they, they spoke to me. When I was 17, I was called to preach. And so I basically broadcasting was something I, I gave up on. Now here I am soon to celebrate my 57th birthday next week. And uh, I'm, I'm into not broadcasting, but podcasting. So it's kind of been neat that God has brought me all the way back to an early love in my life to do this. But uh, back during when COVID first started, uh, as a church, we, like a lot of churches, we quit having services mm -hmm. and we started brought, putting our things out there on YouTube and doing that kind of thing to kind of fill in the gap for not having service. And we watched the numbers of people who suddenly, instead of speaking to 150 people on Sunday morning, I was speaking to 300, 500, and wow. in one Sunday, even over a thousand viewers. Now you, wow. you take those thousand views times three, two or three people watching, and you potentially had, you know, two to 3000 people who were watching a service right. when normally I was preaching 150 and God began to really talk to me about Mark, you need to do something about getting the message beyond the boundaries of your church to other people. Uh, so that was kind of like the podcast idea. Hope along the journey again is a is a very personal thing for me, because I remember a time in my life when I felt like Nate that I had I, I didn't have hope, sure. felt like I'd lost hope, wow. and this was a journey for me, 
to get back to a point in my life where I felt hope. And so I want a podcast that, as I say in the intro of my podcast, people who are hungering for hope, maybe through the stories that are shared, inspiration and encouragement that will help them find hope along the journey. Yeah, and I, I've listened to every episode. I'm halfway through the the latest one, um, and, and everyone is just encouraging. So, I mean, you're doing something right there. Um, but you talk about that time when the wheels came off, and I think we all can yes. relate yeah. to a time um, when the wheels come off, um, whether that's you know for us or a family member or something devastating in our lives. Can you talk more about that that particular time and what maybe that felt like? from the yeah. inside. Yeah. Yeah. They, I, it's been, uh, I was back in her, the year 2011. And so it's been about nine years ago, this during the fall of the year that I came to a point where I realized that I couldn't go on like I was that inwardly my inner life was in shambles. Um, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Um, my marriage needed desperately was in need of, of something to be done to salvage my marriage. And, and so uh, I resigned from teaching. I resigned from the ministry, went into a time of restoration for a three year period and basically, uh, lost my whole identity. Suddenly overnight, I was not who, which, which probably was, was part of the whole problem in itself was that my whole identity and sense of who I was and, and my worth was built around what I did. Mm -hmm. And when I no longer did what I one time did, then I, no, I suddenly felt like I, who am I and what am I? And I'm just an empty shell. So, you know, and so when that time came, I remember feeling like wrestling with those questions of, well, who am I? And it, it, does God still have something for my life? Or it, have I messed up so badly that, that, that I'll never be able to do what I ever did again? I, you know, I remember when I boxed my sermons up, which probably a lot of people think I should have boxed them up a long time ago. But anyway, when I, when I, when I boxed them up, I'll never forget boxing them up and taking that black marker and writing sermons in big letters across the top of that uh, red lid on that white box and shoving it up into the attic of our house that we'd recently bought. And I remember Nate just so clearly when I put them in there, the feeling was, I'll never, I'll never preach again and I'll never see these again. And who knows how long they're going to be up here. Probably someday they'll hit a dumpster somewhere. Mm. But that was such a feeling of finality that I felt like that part of my life will just never be again. And, and it was lonely. I felt so isolated, so alone, so hopeless during that time. And yet at the same time, it was good for me to be able to start from the inside out to rebuild my broken world. You know, it's so interesting what, what you've touched on there, the identity part, because, you know, I remember some of that time, I, you know, I was around um, your life in, in that time. And, 
you know, some of the things they might think about is, oh, he's discouraged or, you know, maybe the hopeless part. But mm-hmm. I can't tell you the thing that came to my mind is struggling with identity. Um, but I can relate on one hand because some of the things in my life that um, I've worked through and am working through is my worth does not come from what I produce. Right. You know, it's right. not from my production, but just simply because I am who I am and I'm made in the image of God. Um, but that's interesting. That's one of the big things you battled with was your identity. Um, was there more that you worked on with that to, to, to make that, um, that restoration with your identity? Yeah. You know, part of what was closely tied to my identity. And let me just say this too. I think we, as men wrestle more than women do with this. Mm. If you think about it, when we get together, and we, or we meet a guy for the first time, what's one of the first things we ask him? Well, what do you do for a living? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> who we are is tied to, you know, whether you're the baker or the butcher or the candlestick maker or what, whatever you are. Yeah. We're figuring um, out the hierarchy of, you know, where we are and in, in yeah, kind of category. where we are in that pecking order of hierarchy, you know, <laughs> of what we do for a living. And, and so that I think is a, is a natural thing. And then I think too, part of my demise was in the fact that I, looking back, I thought that being busy and doing was more important than really being and knowing. Mm. Being busy and doing rather than, you know, truly being and and knowing. And so uh, everything was based on performance. Everything was based on image. Perception was reality. Yeah. And so you, you wear a mask, you have the facade, everything looks good, but inside you're hurting, you're broken, you're lonely, you're empty. And, you know, you're running on empty. Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether you got wheel bright on the wheels and, yeah. and a nice wax job on the car. When the dash lights are, are on telling you you're in trouble, somewhere down the road, the wheels are going to come off somewhere down the road. You're going to, it's going to break down on you. And that's kind of where I was in this whole thing with my identity. I was trying to keep a perception. I was trying to keep the facade. I didn't know who I could tell. I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know who to go to. And I think preachers have a tremendously difficult time because who does the pastor go to when he needs pastoring? Uh, Who does the healer go to when he needs healing, you know? Uh, where, where does the counselor go to when he needs counseling? And so, uh, yeah, when I started rebuilding my broken world, I had to start creating this whole sense of identity, not based on what I did or didn't do, but who am I in Christ? Mm, yes. Who am I? Who does God see me as? And that was a long process that began to rebuild my life. And it seems like that might be something that building of the identity that isn't something you've maybe, at least for me, it's not something I've attained or I've reached like, ah, now I just have this secure identity in Christ and I've reached this upper level of identity. uh, I know who I am. I never struggle. I mean, I just don't see that as something that happens in this lifetime anyways. Yeah, right. And and I do think that that our relationship with God, this sense of identity of who we are in Christ um, is a journey. It really is. And sometimes we take 
three steps forward and two steps back. And sometimes the old messages that play over and over our head come back to haunt us. Something triggers something, something happens. Um, and we hear those old messages played over and over again. You, you're worthless. You can't do anything right. You're dumb. You're clumsy. You're whatever. Um, you're incapable. And, and so, and then we start these self defeating prophecies start going over again in, in our heads. And we have, to, and, and for me, I always have to come back to what does the Bible say? What is, what does scripture say? And I have to, you know, think on things that are pure and lovely and yes. noble, but that did not, that, that for me, and I'm just going to be honest with you, that for me is a fight. Sure. I, I have to sometimes literally fight to come to those true mindset of really, how does God view me? How does God see me? Um, I remember I, I read two books that, that by Brennan Manley, Manning that really helped me. One was called Ragamuffin Gospel. Tremendous, tremendous book. But the one that helped me the most was called Abba's Child. And that book helped me to begin to see that God loves me. He delights in me, just like I delight in my, my grandchildren or in my children. God truly delights in me, not because of what I can do, not because I preach or teach or do a podcast, but if all those things are taken away from me tomorrow, that the God of heaven loves me just as I am. And I don't have to do any more to get, to get him to love me more. He just loves me and he delights in me. I'm just telling you, that was revolutionary for me. I always thought I was having to work to please him. And I always thought somehow I had to, to measure up. And I always, when you, when you, you know how it is, when you have a measuring rod, you always come up short. Mm. You, you never measure up. You never are working hard enough or doing enough or praying enough or teaching enough or preaching enough or whatever. But, um, and again, that was a process. I didn't arrive at that overnight. And man, was that, was that helpful whenever I began to have that shift in my mind? Well, it sounds like you, what I'm hearing from you is a little bit of an, an exercise that has to repeat itself. Uh, we, we've talked about on this mm-hmm. podcast about sometimes you, you can't listen to yourself or the voices. You have to speak mm-hmm. to yourself um, yes. because listening can be passive, but mm-hmm. talking is intentional. Um, and, and picking out what you're going to say and being intentional about what voice you're listening to. It sounds like you have this exercise or you're prepared with a resource for when those challenges come. Yes. And, and I am, and I have verses and I have songs and I, you know, I, I fill my mind with, because when, when the lie comes, the only way you can combat the lie is to know what the truth is. And, and to me, that's what's so incredibly important is, is that when those old lies start coming back in our mind, then we have to be able to say, but this is what is true. And here's what I'm going to do to replay the true message in my heart and in my mind. And again, it's a discipline. It really is a discipline. Mm-hmm. And, it, 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 and speaking to our, you know, it's interesting you said that because, you know, in the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about being filled with the Spirit. And he goes on to say, speaking to yourself hmm. 
in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, rejoicing and making melody in your heart to God. And that's that's not listening. That's speaking. Yeah. That's you've got to you've got to sing these songs. You've got to speak to yourself psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and rejoice, making melody in your heart. And so you have to take yourself by the nap of the neck and say, self, you've listened long enough to the lies. You've got to start hearing the truth and you got to speak the truth. And I th- that think that's so important. And again, it's something that all the rest of our lives, we're going to have to be doing that. Well, and I think it's so important what you, what you've done, you, you've, you've prepared words for you to say, uh, cause don't be fooled. There's going to be times and, and I've had them yeah. in my relatively short lifespan. Um, you, you know, where you can't find the words, where those challenges yeah. are so, you know, your, your sorrow. I mean, you talked about it, the wheels falling off where you just can't yeah. find the words, even to tell God what you need. It's, uh, the Romans eight twenty six, where, you know, you're, you're so broken, you're so weak, you're so yes under darkness that you're relying on the spirit himself to intercede for you with yes. words because you don't have yeah. them. You just have groans. That's right. And I want to, I want to take you back to that, that time you, you talk about isolation and you talk about, oh, yes. um, being alone and lonely in the darkness. Um, if there's someone out there that's feeling, they're, they're starting to understand what you're talking about a little bit too, too recently. Um, can you help them understand what came into your life or where you reached or, or what your next step was within that darkness to find hope and move forward? Well, and that's a, that's a great question. And let me just say this. I, the Bible strongly teaches that restoration is a team effort. The Bible is, is not about, Hey, you've got to pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. The Bible is if you see your brother overtaken in a fall, then you, plural, who are spiritual, go to him and restore him in a spirit of meekness. Uh, confess your faults one to another. All the one another passages of the Bible remind us that there is no such thing as the Lone Ranger mentality in the kingdom of God. But sadly, when, when people like myself, the wheels come off and they lose their identity and people sometimes have a tendency to pull away rather than to, to come together to support. Sometimes because they're maybe they're shocked, they're embarrassed, maybe they don't know what to say, fear that they might say the wrong thing. Um, but I, I, I think for me, that, that was probably one of the most painful things I went through was the silence from people who I thought might reach out to me with love and, and concern. There, there were people who did. I'm, I'm not getting me wrong. Sure. But then there was the silence from people that I just wished and longed for. So, um, one of the things that, one of the big things, and I've talked about this in my podcast was I had a friend and Monty Stetler came to me, gave me a piece of paper on that piece of paper, basically said, um, I'm here for you. Here's my phone number. You know, let's get together. Let's talk. I carried that Nate. I carried that in my billfold for two years. I carried that note for two years in my billfold. 
until I ran my billfold through the washing machine and it, it installed. <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> you know, something like we I do. dudes do, right? Yeah. But within a couple of weeks, we got together after he gave me that. And from that point on, we met every week and then eventually every two weeks until today we still meet. Here it is nine years later, and we still get together about once a month. But I needed a friend. I needed somebody who would listen to me when I didn't make sense and I couldn't even make sense of anything. I needed somebody who listened to me who wasn't going to judge me. I needed somebody who would listen to me that I felt like really cared about me. Somebody listened to me who at that right moment could speak some truth into my life. Somebody who in the same time when we're sitting there at Frisch's or Skyline Chili, we could laugh hysterically one moment and cry like drunkards the next, you know? Yeah. One moment we could laugh and the next moment we could, we could cry together. I desperately needed that person in my life. And that probably was one of that, that coupled with the counseling that I received. And I, and I went to, I had to, I was blessed with the best of Christian counselors, but coupled that together, that was probably the most significant thing that helped me begin to move out of that loneliness as I began to, as I began to try to rebuild my broken world. You, you bring up with that something um, that I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper on because on the inverse of that, um, sounds like Monty knew you well enough on how to approach you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also saying there's a lot of people that didn't know how to approach you. Right, right. Um, what and, and there's probably not one single way, but what advice would you give having been on that side and you know now probably on the other side of you know encouraging people? Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to people on how to reach out, you know, instead of just staying away or, no, oh, they'll, yeah. they'll get to me when they can, or mm, I don't want to be a part of that. Or right. what, what would right. you say to them? Yeah, I, I, I would say number one, that get over the fear that you're going to say the wrong thing. Mm. I think that's probably where some people are. It's like, well, it's kind of like going to a funeral. It's seriously, because my where I was at was was a period I went through grief and loss, just like I'd go was, it, but it was my funeral that I went to. But so sometimes you know we don't go to funerals, or when we go to funerals, we feel that same like, what do I say? What do I say? Honestly, don't worry about what you say or don't say. Just sometimes, just letting people know, hey, I'm here. I want you to know I care. I want you to know I'm praying for you. I want you to know if you ever want to just get a cup of coffee, you know, I'm, I'd love to go out and have coffee with you. I think just, we, they call in the counseling and in, and in chaplaincy, the ministry of presence. And, and I think a lot of times we don't value that or see the value of it, but having been where I was at and where I'm at now, just the fact that somebody would take a few minutes of their time to sit down over a cup of coffee or breakfast with you or a phone call, just knowing they were, they're there for you. Um, and that's worth a lot. You don't, and, and, and realize too, that it's not up to you to fix that person. You're, you're not going in there to have, I'm not going in here to have a meal with you. And in an hour here, I'm going to fix you, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mark's too broken to be fixed in an hour. Yeah. Furthermore, what, what I needed and what others need is not just for you to, not for you to fix me, 
I just want to know, do you still love me? I, I just need to know, am I, am I still lovable? Hmm. You know, or was, or was the friendship I had with you nothing more than based on what, who I was, the position I held, the influence I had, the network that I was part of. Um, boy, we all need people in our lives that when all of that is stripped from us, they're still our friend. They still are, are, are glad that they know us and take time for us. So I, I just think that, you know, reach out to somebody like that. Take, go out for that cup of coffee, go out and, you know, go fishing with them. Take, you know, get, go out and play a game of cornhole in the backyard. And I, I think too, it's, it's almost like people don't know how to treat you now anymore. It's like, sure. now how do I interact with you? Because you're not who you used to be. And it's awkward for people. And so I would just say, you know, man, just take the plunge, just be there. And you don't have to bring it up. In fact, they may not even really want to talk about it. Sure. Um, you know, build a bonfire in your, in your pit in the backyard and say, Hey, come over and let's do s'mores and just sit and talk. You don't even, don't even have to bring the subject up. But I think that's important is that people need to know that they're loved unconditionally, not for what they did or for the title they used to hold, but just for who they are. Well, and it turns out you don't need credentials to be present and love on somebody. No, so, you don't. Um, and to, to what you're saying as well, I, you've used the phrase, uh, break the power of the secret. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I, I love that phrase because, you know, so often, when we have a setback or, you know, we're, we're feeling less than, um, you know, we, we like to go into hiding and we've talked about yes. that where yes, there's do. no healing in hiding. Um, no. but that's our, our inclination to go, where's the safe place, the darkness, I'll yeah. go over there. It's, it's dark. It's, I can hide. Um, can you talk about that, that phrase and, and what you meant mm -hmm. by that breaking the power of the secret and maybe how, how important community is to, to that yeah. process. Yeah. Well, Nate, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. And it goes, it's as old as the fall of man in the garden of Eden. When man fell and for the first time felt shame, what did he want to do? Well, he wanted to withdraw and hide in secret the need for secrecy because of the shame that he had shame in our lives often causes, even if it's misplaced guilt and shame, often causes us to want to hide and to somehow have this secret. Because we need the secret for two, for a couple of reasons. One is we need the secret because we feel like if, if you knew the worst about me, then you wouldn't love me anymore. We need the secret to keep up image and perception again, because, you know, that's, that's what so much of life, unfortunately is built around is image and perception. Um, we hold the secrets because we don't really understand that it's, that it's as we break that power in our lives, that that secret holds over us, that we can only, you know, the Bible says, that we are to confess our faults one to another that we might want so that we can find healing. 
and the secret I have found in my life and in counseling people and working with people that whatever it is that holds you in shame and guilt, whatever is holding you, that the moment you find someone somewhere and someone where it's safe, and that's always key mm -hmm. because not everybody is safe. But if you can find someone who's truly safe, who loves you unconditionally, that you can say, here is the secret that I have been needing to tell somebody for a long time. It's amazing how when you tell it, that secret breaks the power of whatever has been holding on to you almost in half. Whether it's an addiction, whatever it may be, just that confession of breaking that secret breaks the power that that has on you. So, yeah, that to me is so important. But the question, of course, always arises, Nate, well, where are the people that I can talk to like that? Right. Yeah, you, you and I are not going to tell our, our secrets to somebody we don't trust. No. Um, you know, we're not going to confess our faults or our sin to somebody that, that, we, that doesn't love us unconditionally. And so what happens is we huddle back and that secret holds us and like and it's toxic it, it just it's just like always there it never goes away the secret always just seems to linger there but but boy if we can ever break the power of the secret if we can ever truly be ourselves to be known and to know then then man we're well on our way to where we need to be Oh yeah, I think on some point, uh, on some level, rather we we know that because um, my goodness, if you go on Facebook and just scroll, um, there yeah. are some people trying to break some secrets, break the power of some secrets on there with some oversharing. Yeah, um, yeah, you're and, right. You know, it just just to get it out there, cathartic. I, I feel better having shared this, um, but that safety is so important. Yeah, the safety is important, and then the other fact is: is this the right community to be sharing it? And that we could get a whole discussion because sometimes I feel like, you know, people are just spilling their guts on Facebook. It's kind of like, you know what, you really probably need to see your pastor or a counselor or mm -hmm. sit down with your family. Yeah. Um, again, because it's not just of, of, of spilling your guts, but then how are they going to respond back to you? And, and you need those loving, trusting people who love you unconditionally, who can speak the truth and love to you. Uh, and man, that's, that's just so indispensable in your life, especially when you're on the road to recovery and restoration. And I feel like sometimes that road to uh, restoration or, or, or recovery is just unending. It, it keeps on going. You make advances, um, mm -hmm. but it's interesting. You get to points where you can speak into other people's lives yes, and you can share with them and there's that sense of community and you can understand, Hey, I, I've been right where you are and I'm no Absolutely. expert on you know, this or this certificate, but I'm an expert on that situation because I've been yeah, there. That's right. Uh, the power of story once again. Yes. Well, and you know, I would never, I tell people this all the time, I would have never chosen the way I got to where I am today. I, if I could have gotten to where I am today, another path, I certainly would go that path. It would never say to anyone, you need to go the path that I went. But at the same token, um, because of the journey that I've been on of restoration and a journey of, of hope, 
I can now minister to people and help people in ways that I could never have helped people before because I've, I've been, I've been where you're at. I mean, who better to help a recovering alcoholic than somebody who's recovered from alcoholism? Right. Yeah. Who better to help somebody that's a victim of abuse than somebody who was a victim of abuse and has found healing, you know, who better to help somebody whose broken world has fallen apart than somebody who's broken world fell apart. And by the grace of God, they're building it back together again. You follow what I'm saying? It, yeah. God redeems all of our stuff, even the bad junk. If we give it to him, he redeems our story and our experiences, both good and bad. And then somehow what Satan meant for evil, God can make it for good. There's a, I think that's important for us to learn. Oh, for sure. And, and there's a question I like to like to ask because of, you know, our, our title is Grace Story. And we love stories here, um, the power of story. But, you know, you're very open about, you know, uh, the, your journey of restoration and, uh, you know, even to depression and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, that normally people um, aren't that open about, uh, which, right. you know, right. I can sit here and say, I don't understand why you don't just talk about it. Um, but, you know, yeah. when it's your story, it's different. Where do you find that, uh, that courage and that inspiration to share your story and speak into other people's lives and provide them, you know, that extension of grace and hope, um, you know, that, that God can use you to extend to them. Boy, I don't know. I, that's, that's probably a uh, question I have never been asked. So I'm going to have to give myself a moment here to really wrap that. Like, where did I find the courage? I, I, I don't know that I found I, courage would maybe be the, the right word. Maybe the word would be, that when I came to the end of myself and finally the secret was broken and people knew who I was and what I truly was. And it, to me being now for the first time in a long time, what you saw is what you see is who I am. I'm authentic through and through as, as tough as I went through some very struggled with depression, even through my restoration, struggled with times with thoughts of suicide. Yet at the same time, there was something so freeing to be real, wow. to just be authentic, to know that I don't have to wear the mask anymore. And I don't know. So I think there was something, it wasn't so much courage as I found this freedom. Hmm. You know, the freedom now is that that I don't have to pretend anymore. The freedom. Now the good news is that I am what I am by the grace of God and God's grace has, has brought me to where I am today. And that freedom of being authentic and real, man, there's nothing like it. If anybody can ever get to that point in their life and then start rebuilding from there, you never want to go back to wearing the disguise. You never want to go back to wearing the mask. You want it. You, and, and, and again, am I ever tempted? Well, I guess, I guess we're all are tempted at times to, to put a mask back on. But when I'm tempted to think about putting a mask back on, I just contemplate and think about the freedom that I have found and knowing that I'm, there's nothing hidden that, that nothing's between my savior and I, and not only that, but, but I just am who I am by the grace of God. I, and, and I think that freedom, maybe that's what brings the courage 
but I think it's really that sense of freedom. And the, and then of course the gratitude. Oh, Nate, I'm just telling you, I, you know, I, I, nobody knows besides me, nobody knows how good God has been to me. And the fact that I am preaching again and pastoring again and, and doing the things that I love again. And, uh, God just recently opened up a door to where once a month I'm doing training, biblical training to, to 30 pastors in India over wow. Facebook, um, teaching again at the Bible school I used to teach and pastoring. It, it, it just, it's like, wow, why not share my story? You know, why not just help as many people as I can? If my story can help you, then I, you know, I have a, an obligation, a stewardship obligation to share as much as my story as I can, that it might be edifying and glorifying, edifying to those who need it and glorifying to God who has given me the grace that he has. My goodness. If that isn't just the encapsulation of restoration, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we all are, are imperfect. We all fall short of what God wants for us, but you know, through him, Hey, you, you can have it all. That's right. Uh, and it's not going to look like what you think it's going to look like. That's, that's the awesome. It's full of surprises. We love surprises. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, now that you're on that, that other side and, and you're offering that hope and, and you have that freedom and, and you're, mm-hmm. you're caretaking your freedom. Can you tell us what that, uh, what that looks like or that, um, that self care, what does self care look like now for Mark Cravens? Well, for me, um, that, you know, it's the self-care is very different in that, you know, number one, as a pastor years ago, yeah, I didn't take care of myself. I, you know, I was like gung ho, here we go, boys. You know, we're hitting the shores of Normandy, you know, seven days a week. Um, and that, and that was, I just burnt myself out. I, I, as I mentioned, and I've told before, I, you know, I battled depression off and on during those years, it was kind of something I, I really didn't want everybody to know, but, um, there were times when I was on even medication for a period of time, times when I probably should have been on medication. It wasn't, but I just kept ignoring it and kept ignoring it. And again, I go back to the dashboard. Yeah. You know, the lights on the dashboard were lighting up and somehow I thought I'm just going to keep driving 80 mile an hour anyway. Yeah. Just put some tape over that. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Just put a little tape over it hold your thumb over it. That's the solution. You know, just ignore it, you know? Mm -hmm. So self-care for me now is like a number one, I I watch carefully, you know, the dashboards of my life, Um, my attitude, my spirit, uh, my moods, uh, my devotional life, things that I keep, you know, I really kind of, I watch those things. Secondly, I listen to people who love me. And if people who, if people who love me, tell me they think something's getting a little whatever, then I, I need to pay attention. Uh, thirdly, I don't, I don't have the expectation upon myself that, that I'm irreplaceable anymore. You know, I, I am replaceable. I found that out the hard way that God can get along just fine in the kingdom without Mark Cravens. Um, and so I, I don't have to, you know, I don't have that sense of drivenness. I, I think there's, a, you know, sometimes our lives get driven. And I don't, rather than us being visionary, we become very driven by what we do. 
And, and there is a huge difference. But uh, I also try to take care of myself more. I get out. I, I, I do more walking. I try to watch what I eat. I'm a diabetic, so I have to be very careful. Not that I don't, you know, break the code every so often. <laughs> but I, again, I, I just self-care is important. Uh, understanding that we're holistic. I never really got that until I went through this whole process of understanding that we're whole people. You know, mind, body, soul, spirit, all of this, and any area of that that I'm neglecting, it is so intertwined with the rest sure. that I cannot neglect one area and then not be impacting the other areas of my life. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I reach out for good fellowship. I don't, I don't do well in isolation for long periods of time. So, hey, I'm going to reach out to a friend. I'm going to call somebody. We're going to go out for coffee or we're going to have conversation. We're going to do something. So, yeah, I just, again, I just pay attention to the dashboard of my life much better and listen to those who love me and just try to be, take a more holistic approach of, of how I care for myself. Man, I love that. We can do that as a soundbite, um, just as a top however many things to do for <laughs> to have a healthy, better life, according to Mark Craven. So. Well, there, another question I like to ask yeah. everybody as we come to a close here, um, just if there's something that you want to leave with our listener, the one thing you want to get across to them from your story or your restoration or this podcast, uh, this episode today, if you want them to hear and, and do or, or hear one thing, what would that be? Uh, finish strong. Finish strong. You cannot, as much as we would all love to go back and rewind the tape and do life over, we can't. You can't go back. You can't relive anything. But you can have a different ending to your story. And that is the thing that, that, I, that I, I never will forget reading Steve Farrar's book, Finishing Strong. Excellent book. He's a writer. He writes to men. And in that book, Finishing Strong, that I read during a pivotal time in my life during this whole process, it just became so clear to me that the football game, the baseball game, the football game's not won or lost in the first three quarters the football game will be lost or won in the last quarter. That base, that baseball game is going to be won or lost in the final inning of that game. And whatever has happened in our lives, we can't go back and change. But I'll tell you what we can do. By the grace of God, we can finish strong. We can't have a new beginning, but we can have a different ending. Wow. Man, I love that. So that is just a little soundbite of the type of encouragement that you guys are going to get over on uh, Mark Craven's podcast, Hope Along the Journey. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Just go search Hope Along the Journey on any platform where you get your podcast, and uh, he'll be there offering encouragement, hope, and having guests on um, you know, periodically to, to help you along the journey. Uh, Mark Cravens, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, uh, and thank you so much for your investment of time and energy in uh, Grace Story uh, Ministries. Well, thank you, Nate. And, of course, as you know, I was on the original board of directors when it started. Uh, I just had your sister here in my office and interviewed her, so there's a podcast coming out. Hope Along the Journey will be coming out and your sister will be on that podcast. So 
yeah, I very much believe in Grace Story and its message. And I just pray God will just continue to use your podcast, marvelous podcast, that he'll continue to use it to touch lives. May the, I, I say this to people, and I'm going to say this before I go, by the grace of God, the rest of your life can be the best of your life. And I believe that with all my heart. Wow. If that isn't just what the journey of restoration is all about and finding hope along that journey, um, you got to go check out Mark Craven's podcast, Hope Along the Journey. So many stories of encouragement over there uh, for you. Um, And while that's all we have for this episode, I do encourage you to keep on working on yourself. Keep on that journey of restoration. We are so proud of what you're doing. Um, and we want to hear about it. So message us on Facebook or Instagram or or send us an a, a email, nate at gracestoryministries.com. Let us know how your journey is going. Until next episode, we'll be praying for you.